Hi, I'm Melanie Bull. Welcome to Ladyland. Think about your closest friend. Maybe you know where she works, but do you know what she does all day? Do you know her job title? Do you know what she studied in school? Turns out, I didn't. So, I made a podcast to find out. Welcome to Ladyland. I'm your host, Kim Baldwin. This is a conversation with women from all walks of life and different backgrounds. It's funny at times, serious at times, but always honest. This is Ladyland. Hi, Melanie. Hi. This is the longest I've gone without seeing you. I know. It's been forever. It's been like two months, which is the longest time. It's a bummer. Since like 2015. Easily. Yeah. (laughs) I like to let my guests introduce themselves. Okay. So if you'll introduce yourself, just your name, your title, however you want to let people know who you are. Okay. Well, I am Melanie Bull. I'm a contract lobbyist and aspiring Jeopardy contender. Okay. I, I didn't know that last part. So Lifelong we, dream. Oh, are you watching it on Netflix? No, I should. I didn't even know it was on Netflix. It's back. Okay. Good to know. We met in the Tennessee State Senate. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which year. 2008. 2008. Yes. Were you an intern for Senator Andy Burke? Yes. Okay. Was that the year he came in? Yeah, it was actually his first year. That's what I so. thought. Okay. We started out together. Man, so we're 11 years friends. Mm-hmm. I didn't put that together. <laughs> Man. I was 20. Holy crap. <laughs> I was probably 32-ish. Yeah, I was a little baby. Little baby. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> Why'd you enter in there? So I loved politics. Like, for forever. I've always been interested in politics, but hadn't really done anything political, per se. But I was majoring in political science. And I had, like, reached this point in school where I could not do school anymore. I was experiencing real, actual burnout. And so I went and talked to one of my professors over the summer, because I was taking summer classes, because I changed my major, like, six times. So I was (laughs) never going to graduate. (laughs) And so I just went to him and I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, tell me something I can do. Like, I need an internship. I need to be doing something. I don't feel productive. So we looked at some internships in D.C. and he was like, you know what? I think that you would be really good as a state legislative intern. There aren't a lot of Belmont students that do it. I went to Belmont for undergrad. I was like, okay, whatever. And I actually think that I had applied late And they were looking for extra people. Like, I didn't go through the regular interview process. Really? Yeah. It was just kind of weird. It was, like, late in December. Like, school had already ended. Yes. I just basically walked in, and they were like, okay, do you want this? And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) So you were in college when you were an intern. I I just don't remember. It was my junior year of college. So I did it a lot earlier. Yeah, I did it a lot earlier than most people do. Most people do it their senior year or their first year after they graduate undergrad. 
you were in undergrad, you interned, mm-hmm. you went back to Belmont, mm-hmm. you graduated, mm-hmm. then you started working. Yes. God, in my mind, the intern was the beginning and you just kept going. I think right. I forgot you had to go back to school and finish. Yeah, that blew. Because like once I had gotten a taste of what working was like, I was like, this is fun. I want to yeah. work. Because my plans were to go to grad school and then kind of teach from there. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So- Man, you would be a great <laughs> teacher. Oh my gosh, probably not. But you would be a great college professor. (laughs) That burnout was still very real. And it got even worse once I started working. So I was like, I've got to go back and start doing this again. So after I finished my internship, I had to finish my senior year. That was actually a year and a half senior year. And then when I graduated, I kind of jumped right back into it. And I was doing like part-time campaigns because I kind of graduated at the start of that 2010 election cycle. So I did campaigns for part of that and then was also like doing some kind of interny policy Mm -hmm. aid kind of stuff with a couple of different groups. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) you're a legit lobbyist. And I say legit because... I was never, I'm using air quotes, I was never a quote-unquote lobbyist. I was an advocate. Sure. Government relations director Mm -hmm. is what I was. Mm -hmm. I forget how much people don't know the difference or don't know that a lobbyist is like a licensed, regulated thing. Like, you can't just call yourself that. Right. You probably have an easy way of explaining this. Yeah. Well, kind of. I mean, so to be a lobbyist in Tennessee under law, you have to register with the State Ethics Commission if you lobby more than 10 days a year for someone that's paying you. Okay. Um, And that's direct lobbying. So that would be making a direct ask to a legislator on a piece of legislation. So Ladyland Podcast could hire you as their lobbyist and pay you to affect policy that would affect like home recording studios or... Yeah, I mean, depending on your like business have to be like an LLC. Status. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But yes, people hire me to affect policy to either promote certain pieces of legislation or try to stop certain pieces of legislation in front of the Tennessee state legislature. And I only do kind of state level lobbying. And there's multiple levels you can do, you know, metro council level lobbying, all the way up to federal lobbying, but I just do state politics. When I was just government relations director, which people call an advocate, the difference between what I did and a lobbyist who's registered, I couldn't ask for votes Mm -hmm. and I couldn't give money is that correct? Um, like, I couldn't give elected officials campaign contributions. So you, uh, like Kim Baldwin, could not? Yeah. So Like a person who's not a registered lobbyist, who's an right. advocate for a cause they care about. If you are a registered lobbyist, and then you can give money to a state candidate. Yes. I, as a registered lobbyist, cannot give money to anyone seeking state office. Whoa, was that always the rule or did it change? That was like kind of the Tennessee waltz, the big ethics stuff that happened before my time. Yeah. Because there are so many people who care about a cause, usually like when it affects their kids or their family, Mm -hmm. and they get super involved and they start, you know, going to the legislature and attending committee meetings and whatnot. But they are not lobbyists. No, they would be kind of volunteer lobbyists. So say you... Like um, Moms Demand Action. Yes. So say you're, um, you're one of the moms. Yes. You're going down there every week 
kind of talking about any kind of gun reform legislation Doing the Lord's work, truly. that happens to be before the legislature, and you're just down there as a volunteer, then you are a volunteer lobbyist. You're not being paid in any capacity by Moms Demand Action to be there. So okay. therefore, you don't have to register. Got it. Yes. And they can't go to a senator's office and ask them to vote no on something specific, or can they? They can, oh, because I'm they're there in a volunteer that. capacity. Got it. I mean, now, they're not collecting votes the same way a professional lobbyist yeah. would. So if a certain group, say Moms Demand Action, they hire a contract lobbyist, yeah. who then would be kind of the person that would be counting the votes with all of the members on the committee to see where that vote the votes lie on a certain piece of Got legislation. Okay. But any you can walk in as a volunteer and you can say, are you going to vote on this bill? Okay. And oh, of course. Okay. Now, next senator yeah. can say yes or no. Okay. It's been so many years. Mm-hmm. I had it twisted, but I want to just make sure like there's a difference. Yeah. Like what you do is a is a job that Yes. <laughs> it's obviously. Some people think it's not a good job, but yeah. you know, I mean, it's just like we're talking about the every single one of these groups despite having very large volunteer bases and do good work for the things that they care about, they still need a professional that understands the process, that knows the people that they're talking to in and out and is there every single day on behalf of a certain client in order to ensure that whatever policy agenda they have advances. It's like you're fluent in this language. That's kind of it. Like you're fluent in state government, in the committee system, in the voting system. Right. Yeah. I mean, we get hired. I get hired for my expertise on the process, my knowledge of the issue, and my relationships, essentially. It's kind of like a salesy sort of job, but I'm selling ideas or my client's policy proposals versus an actual product. Yeah. People think they know what you do. Right. Especially now that (laughs) news is so popular and politics is so popular. And I can only imagine, like when you meet strangers or when you meet people when you're traveling that aren't local. Right. And maybe you just say, I'm a lobbyist, and they immediately assume D.C., or they immediately assume you are a bad person. Right. You take money from bad people to give to bad people to do bad things. Yes. So how do you walk that back in real time when someone just assumes you're a bad person because you're a lobbyist? Well, I don't tell people that I'm a lobbyist. I wondered, actually. (laughs) I wondered if you do. Yeah. I mean, I I used to do that. And one, it just kind of invites conversation generally. It's either, oh, like, tell me what exactly that is you do. Or, oh, like, I hear about you on the news. Like, I know what you do. And neither are a conversation that I usually want to have with an Uber driver. Like, 90% of the time. (laughs) People ask you what you do as an Uber driver. 100%. Yeah. So I actually typically say like an accountant. Do you? You just (laughs) legit lie. I legit lie because there is no point. And like there's never any follow-up questions to accountant. No. So (laughs) that's it. It's just like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm an accountant. And they're like, oh, but I have nothing to say. (laughs) For a while, I had said like, I am a consultant. And then it's. Oh, for what? And and then, uh-huh. like, you know, I can't, like, play that lie down the line. Yeah. So I can just say one thing and then we can move on. Yes. But if I do get in the conversation, <laughs> which randomly it, it does happen, you know, like I said, it's, it's one of two reactions. It's I have no idea what that is or I think you're a disgusting human being. And so then it's, OK, well. Tell me the issues you care about. Tell me why you're interested in politics. 
You care about education. Okay, well, so what are your things about education? Oh, well, I really care about public schools and making sure that public schools are fully funded. Well, did you know that public schools hire lobbyists? No, I didn't know that. Oh, well, they do. So do, you know, people that are doing the ed reform stuff. And if only people that were doing the opposite side of that hired lobbyists and public education advocates didn't hire lobbyists, well, guess what's going to happen? Because lobbyists are professionals who are down there every day trying to advance a certain agenda on behalf of your client, speaking to legislators and other people that are involved in state government. So that's the executive branch. It's people in state departments. And if that's the only side they're ever hearing, well... You know, sometimes that sways how a legislator is going to vote. And and that goes down the line for any number of things. And the like the saying with politics is, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Oh, I love that. note. Yeah. And so, yeah. So my job is to make sure that my clients have a seat at the table. I didn't realize. And when you said that about the schools, when I started working there, I always assumed like, of course, like these big corporations pay lobbyists Mm because they need to like whatever, Mm -hmm. taxes, blah, 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 railroad stuff. But I was shocked when I got there and I was like, oh, nurses have a lobbyist. Right. Like, right. Stuff like that. Teachers, like all of these, just the way the funnel of that where you're in a profession that belongs to like a trade organization. Mm -hmm. And then that trade organization has an advocate or a government relations person. And then they have a lobbyist. And it's just. Yeah. And I think people don't realize how important that is on the state level in particular. Like all of these kinds of professional groups tend to have lobbyists because their professions are regulated by state law. Yeah. Yeah. So what a nurse can do versus what what a doctor can do is regulated by state law. So if a nurse wants to prescribe certain kinds of medication or do certain types of procedure, they can or cannot because of what's in state law. So that's incredibly important. And, you know, nurses and doctors or anyone that's a part of a professional organization should really realize that and get involved in their professional organizations because they have no idea the amount of regulatory stuff that goes into their profession. That's really good advice. Yeah. Do you ever get, you don't want to answer this, (laughs) do you ever get frustrated at how much in the last few years everyone only cares about federal politics and presidential stuff? Um, Yes. It makes me nuts. It drives me crazy. I'm like, hey, none of that touches you. Yeah. And well, and we have (laughs) such a unique perspective on that. And, you know, the politics that affect you most start at the most local level. Yeah. So, you know. Do you have Google Fiber? Do you have sidewalks? Right. Exactly. Can your kids go to school? Right. Is your alley clean? Like all those kinds of things. Are your neighbors, is their house overflowing with trash? Like that's all city government. Yeah. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you're getting at day to day. When you get to the state level stuff, that's a, where most of the education policy comes yeah. from. That's healthcare. Your, that's a lot of healthcare. That's where your professions are regulated. Roads and highways and bridges yeah. and the things you drive on every day, that's 440, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, yeah, all state. Yeah. And so the federal stuff is obviously like it's, it's easier to pay attention to. Yeah. It's easier to follow. It's more fun to pay attention to right. because there's no big bulk of Twitter Yes, talking about like local news. Well, there is, but it's very niche. It's very niche. It's very small. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty insidery, too. So it's kind of, I get why no one follows that. And, you know, I mean, the news has changed a lot, too. So kind of local papers that did a lot of... They're gone. That work is gone. gone. So 
It's harder to keep up with, but also, like, all of your local legislators, almost all of them are on Twitter these days. Yeah. And, like, generally kind of active, particularly in the Nashville area. Yeah, they really are. It's worth giving them a follow and figuring out who they are. But, you know, national politics is sexy and it's interesting. And and I the thing that I like about it is that it does get people motivated. Like, it gets people out to vote. And that always makes me really excited. But that's kind of like the only thing that I like about it. The rest of it, I'm just like, oh, I'm so over it. Hi. Do you like podcasts? I hope so, because you're listening to one. If you like podcasts... I have something else you might like. Audiobooks. Libro FM is the first and only company that lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore. P.S. We have two of those here in Nashville. You can pick from hundreds of thousands of audiobooks, including I Miss You When I Bleak, written by Lady Land's own Mary Laura Philpott. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, feeding the chickens, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. Ladyland listeners, you get a special offer. Three audiobooks for the price of one. That's $14.99 with your first month of membership. Use the code LADYLAND at checkout. For more information, visit ladyland.show slash Libro. It's really easy. Okay, can we talk about Korea? Yes, we can talk about Korea. Listeners. Melanie just got back from Korea. She uh, came in despite having really extreme jet lag. Bad. <laughs> How long were you in Korea? Two full weeks. Your first time? My first time. Your mom is from Korea. My mom was born in Korea. She moved to the United States when she was about 20. Okay. And then she has not been back since then. So it's been 45 years. You t- Tell me the story. Yeah, my mom was born in South Korea. She was born in, like, right outside of this city called Daegu. It's the fourth largest city in South Korea. She was born in kind of unfortunate circumstances, really poor. When she was, like, 10 or 11, got sent to live with this elderly lady and kind of be her caretaker. So kind okay. of lost touch with her family at that point. Okay. And then eventually, like, found herself in Seoul and met a man who was her first husband in Seoul and then moved to the States. Okay. Then she was 20 years old. Not your dad. Not my dad. Okay. She met my dad like six years later. Okay. So she has always wanted to go back and we've talked about it a lot over the years, but it was just kind of like, she never really thought she could afford it. You know, she was busy raising kids that had very active schedules. And then... I think it was just kind of something that we always talked about. No one ever really felt like it was going to be real. Yeah. And we were not raised super Korean. Like, we ate a lot of Korean food, but I never really learned the language. She had such a complicated relationship, I think, with her childhood and overcoming trauma there that it was just... We learned some things, but it was never like a daily thing of being Korean. And I didn't grow up around a lot of Koreans East or Tennessee. Asian people. Yeah, I grew up in East Tennessee, so that wasn't a predominant part of the culture at all. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom actually had, she had a pretty significant health event last year. She had a stroke. And once that happened, I just was like, we've got to go. Like, yeah. I'm not waiting any longer. Like, you can keep saying, like, I can keep saying that I'm going to save money to be able to pay for this trip. And it's like you know what, like, this trip will get paid for. Like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And so a couple months after that, I just started planning it, and we were ready to go. 
So just the two of you went? Just the two of us, yeah. How long were you there? Two weeks. Two weeks. Yes. Did she reconnect with people while she was there? Did you meet family you didn't know? She did not, okay. no. And we kind of did some, like, cursory searches for yeah. them, but it's been so long that we just weren't really able to find anyone. She lost touch with them, like, basically when she moved to the States. And, Man. you know, this was the 70s, yeah. so it was, like, hard to figure out how to keep in touch with people. And she's not very tech-savvy either, so, you know, ancestry is, like, not something she's ever really delved into. Yeah. But we did go to her hometown for a couple okay. of days, and so it was really interesting to kind of, like, see the places that she remembered and had mm-hmm. been to, and, you know. So it was really cool. It was it yeah. was very special. Man. Yeah. I watched all of your Instagram stories and it... It was... It's beautiful. Uh, It's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. It was stunning. I mean, climate-wise, it's very similar to, like, Tennessee, Virginia. So the... I mean, Hmm. I heard it rain the whole time I was gone. Here. No. Yeah, it did. So, sorry, because it was 65 degrees and sunny every single day. Like, it didn't rain on us at all. It was stunningly beautiful. Like, the perfect light jacket during the day. Yeah. Like, kind of weather. And it was gorgeous. Like, I don't think people realize this, but, like, 70 percent of the country is mountains no i didn't so, know that yeah so when we were like taking trains between cities and stuff i mean it was just the most beautiful scenery you can wow. imagine and i love mountains i grew up in the mountains so yeah. i just loved seeing that yeah man i loved it what was your favorite part of the trip um the raccoon cafe i forgot about that <laughs> I need any more information on the Raccoon Cafe. So I don't even know how I found out <laughs> that this existed. Yeah, you guys. So I have a pretty healthy obsession with, like, pets in general. I don't have any. But I love dogs and I love cats. And, like, I look at a lot of, like, cute dog Instagrams. I know you, I know you do. <laughs> and I follow a lot of cute dog Instagrams. Somehow, like, I think that there was a pet Instagram that led me down a weird <laughs> rabbit hole. And then I found this raccoon cafe in Korea. So, you know, like cat cafes, like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was super out of the way from anywhere we went. And I definitely made my mom take a very significant detour via like three different bus transfers to get there. Wow. <laughs> You're going to have to send me one of your pictures, so when the, I'm going to put it on Ladyland's yeah, I stories. Yeah, I mean, I, you guys, they it are was nuts. so cute. So we get there, and, like, the raccoons are not running around the cafe. Okay. They're in a separate room. So you go into the cafe, and then you pay 8,000 won, which is essentially, like, $8 to be able to go into the a raccoon steal. room. I mean, worth it. <laughs> like, so unbelievable. Like, that's the best money that I ever spent. And they have three raccoons, two pigs, and a corgi. Holy shit. You guys, like, <laughs> the best. We are losing our minds in the Ladyland studio <laughs> like right the now. The <laughs> best day of my life. I can't Ladyland's even going to Korea. It. <laughs> like, we're going. You, and they're so cute. Oh and they have such, like, nimble hands. Yeah. So. But they don't, it doesn't hurt. Like, they don't. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. But, like, they gave me, like, food to put, like, the cafe workers gave me, like, food to put in my palm. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, the raccoon was just, like, individually like taking out pieces oh and then gingerly putting it in its mouth and then go to bed and they're so fat i don't think that they're meant to be that fat but <laughs> who is i mean you know they were significantly <laughs> overweight raccoons 
but that's okay. They seemed really happy. And that so. just makes me love them more. They I mean, they were chunks. I'm chunks. They're, like their their bodies were so big. <laughs> <laughs> so cute though. Yeah. It was so fun. Man. I know. So that was a significant highlight. Obviously. Um, so we went to a spa. Spas oh, are very of course. big in okay. Korea. Tell me. So people in Korea like to bathe in warm water and then scrub dead skin off their bodies. I'm aware. Yeah. So we had one of those experiences. Yeah. And it was painful and de- <laughs> and weird and delightful. So you like go in, you change into your spa clothes, which are like basically like a gross gym uniform. I mean, they were clean, but you know, it's yeah. like real beigey and no. baggy, except not baggy on me because I'm bigger than everyone <laughs> in Korea. <laughs> I mean, so that's, you know, a whole other story, but they had like, it was like the biggest spa in South Korea inside the biggest mall in the world. Oh my God. Yeah. It was wild i had no idea they do big shopping malls there so they had like 18 different like sauna and steam rooms and then after you do all of those like salt rooms and charcoal rooms and Mm -hmm. you know all i healed my body from the inside out and then then the genders are separated okay and you get naked like full naked and then just sit in baths Sure. With like 70 other women. Were you naked with your mom? I was naked with my mom, yeah. Okay. And we, like, it was, but you just walk in there and everyone is very nude. But the thing is, <laughs> like, everyone in there, like, so if there's 70 people in there, 67 people were Korean. And then there was like me, who's like a halfsy, and like this poor blonde girl because everyone was just I mean she was like six feet and like very thin and like strikingly beautiful but like all these old women are just like what is happening here and then there were like (laughs) just just far far in the minority so but it's very normal and then once you do that for like 30 minutes then these women come and give you scrubs whoa so you go and you lie on this latex table It's very sterile and strange. And they put this lovely cucumber mask on you. And then this old lady has two mitts on that are like just lighter than sandpaper and just pretzels your body around and scrubs all the dead skin off your body. I mean, I want it, but it really does sound painful. It is actually painful. (laughs) And she removed skin off my body that had been there since birth. Like, I'm convinced. (laughs) (laughs) It was... Serious, and she kept showing it to me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you know, I'm American because I have like ten pounds more dead skin. I lost (laughs) six pounds in Korea, and I literally was joking with my mom that it's all skin. (laughs) Congratulations! That's the grossest thing anyone said. (laughs) Yay! That's my superlative grossest. You went grossest. Grossest. Yeah, it's it was pretty disgusting, but also hmm. so incredibly satisfying. No, I'm super intrigued. I'm th- I'm like, God, do I want to go to Korea? Like just for this mall and these raccoons? Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've gone to places for dumber reasons, right? So, speaking of having all your skin scrubbed off, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm going to segue into self care. Okay, because I also worked in the legislature. It's a really like, what is the strongest adjective for how stressful it is to work there and demanding? You have no life for half the year, which is mm-hmm. hard to understand unless you have done it. 
it just you have you have no spare time. You really right. do work for six months straight without sleeping, eating, or seeing your family and friends. Yeah. How do you stay okay for si- while they're in session for six months out of the year when you just work so hard? You know, there's a part of it where, like, you just kind of get your sea legs under you after a while. It's like training for the year, you know? The roughest part of it is that it happens, the legislative session starts the second Tuesday of January. So it's right after coming off of the holidays when you're not doing a whole lot of work, you know, when everything kind of shuts down for the year. And then you just go into the year like full steam ahead. So, you know, there's a whole lot of things that I do. One is uh, vodka. (laughs) Like, I really like vodka. (laughs) Tina said it with a lemon. If anyone wants to get me a drink between January and May. So I have a drink after work. I dedicate my Sundays solely to, like, having this self-care routine. So I like to spend Sundays generally alone. And I like to wake up. I like to go to Target. I like to spend money at Target because it's impossible to not. And then I like to, like, treat myself to a nice lunch. And then I like to go to a 4 o'clock yoga class. And then after yoga, I come home. I take a bath, do a face mask, and paint my nails. And then pick out my clothes for the week. And I try to do that. Yeah, like, Sundays are so sacred to me. I don't know what Mm. I would do without it. That sounds... Yeah, it's really delightful. Like, I give myself, like, a facial... Y'all, this is how I know I'm Korean. Like, (laughs) I... They're obsessed with skincare. Yeah. And I, like, when I was there, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I I get it. Like, it's genetic. Like... (laughs) It is a part of me. (laughs) I did a face mask every single day while I was there. (laughs) Yeah, you did. So I love a face mask. So when you're friends with Melanie, there are a lot of hilarious benefits. Oh, gosh. One is you get enrolled in Melly Bull's School of Posing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to let you tell people what Melly's School of Posing is because it's your school. (laughs) So, you guys, I have a very strong brand (laughs) and it's wearing like all black and loving a photo (laughs) accurate accurate so I joke I have pictures of me like dating back from basically when I was born yes to like hand on the hip hip cocked like shit eating grin on my face I soft smile now because soft smiles don't cause wrinkles but But when I was seven, I didn't know any better. (laughs) I've seen some of these little baby pictures of you, and it is the exact same pose. Yeah, it's absurd. The other thing that is so fun and hilarious about being friends with Melanie, makeup tips. Oh, my gosh. Like, legit (laughs) makeup tips. You should have a sticker that goes on products like Allure magazine. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I would walk through Ulta and just look for your sticker and, like... That's what I'm buying. I love makeup. I don't know how you have time to know this much, but I so appreciate your knowledge. (laughs) I don't sleep a lot. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, Instagram and like YouTube holes are between like that's my 2 to 3 a.m. Yeah. Every night. Like I think that makeup's fascinating. I I like playing with it. I'm just hyper girly about all that kind of stuff. Like I like makeup. I like skincare. I like doing my nails. Like playing with my hair. Melanie and I, for years, have shared a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Shout out Ricky Taylor. Hey, Ricky. (laughs) And I'm on a hiatus from exercise right now. But for the years that we have worked out with Ricky, 
Melanie would come in at least one day a week with a video from a Kardashian workout (laughs) that we had to recreate. We did so many (laughs) dumb things. Yeah, so many dumb things. All kinds of ab partner ab work that is like circus stuff (laughs) that we couldn't even do. It was also dumb. But it was fun. It was that or like stuff that The Rock was doing. 100%. Where he was, he'd be like hip thrusting like 600 pounds. I'm like, Kim, we can totally do that. Was it Chelsea (laughs) Handler that we got so mad at? She could hip thrust double the weight we could and she's half our size. And we were like. Ricky, what you doing? Get us up to that weight. <laughs> okay, are you ready for some hard-hitting rapid-fire questions? Yes. Best mascara? Dior Show Overcurl. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I've used every single mascara known to man. Side question, do you still use mascara primer? Yes, I use three mascaras. <laughs> I curl my lashes. I use a primer. Then I use the Dior Show, and actually right now over top of that, I'm using NARS Climax. I don't like it that much, but Dior Show is what I always go back to. Duly noted. Mm-hmm. Number one tip for posing for pictures. So, I mean, I used to be all about a skinny arm. <laughs> yeah. But now I really think that, like, the thing that everyone's doing is kind of straight on i've noticed that and kind of like looking down on the camera i also fully I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate of a soft smile okay i just think like people look the best when they're kind of like neutral unless they're being caught off guard in a smile soft smile is closed mouth mm-hmm. not like yeah. open mouth yeah not teeth. yeah i think that a lot of people just can't, like they just look so forced when they're posing for a photo with a big smile on their face Good tip. Yeah. Melly School of Posing. Melly School of Posing. Current celeb fave on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Ashley Graham? Still. Yeah. Okay. I love her. I love Shawn Mendes. No, you do. For reasons separately than Ashley Graham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Drake. Okay. Always. Champagne Poppy. Mm-hmm. Favorite Jeopardy category? You know, I like the ones that are, like, alliterative. So the ones that, you know, the category is an M, and so Mm -hmm. everything has to be an M. I'm always into that. Kind of a puzzle within a puzzle. I like it. Yeah. Okay. You can't explain your answer. Okay. What is your guilty pleasure song? Uh, Too Close by Next. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, you do. (laughs) I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you okay. know. You know. Will everyone listening know? Yeah, it's like 90s R&B. What's the name? Too Close by Next. I actually listened to it in oh my, my office today, I'm loudly. Gonna, I'm going to find it as soon as we're done. Mm-hmm. Okay, Melly Bull. <laughs> Thanks for coming by Ladyland. Thank you. Uh, the best time. Yay. All right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll see you in the gym. Okay. Bye. Bye. I'm Kim Baldwin, and that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. To find full show notes, head over to ladyland.show. And if you know a lady that I need to meet, slip into my DMs. You can find me at ladyland underscore podcast on Instagram. This podcast is produced by Mary Catherine Rooker and brought to you by We Own This Town. Logo by Elizabeth Williams. Music by U-Drive. Download anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a minute, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review Ladyland. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.
I told Thomas, can I cuss yeah. on this? Okay, because I had already, like, I had planned to do the good place cussing. Fork. Fork. Fork, Fork. you. You can. <laughs> I try to tame, like, the fucks. Yeah. Well, the fucks are where I shine. Full yeah. <laughs> quote. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's my intro. <laughs> oh, Michael, keep that in. <laughs> okay. <laughs>